But anyways, so we're getting close to the end of this series. Actually, I have this week and next week. And um, perhaps, and let me explain this, perhaps uh, some of you have wondered, you say, how did Vince come up with these words that we are studying? Well, I did not come up with them. I actually uh, bought a book at a used book store in, in uh, Alaska. We were visiting my son, Michael, and we were driving around, so this bookstore got in there, found this book, and said, oh, this is interesting. Look at the words. It has 14 words. We are doing 12. Not because I didn't plan on 14, because time uh, caught up with us a little bit. So there are two words that I wanted to cover, but we are not. And one is uh, reconciliation, and the other one is uh, security. So that's perhaps for another time. <laughs> so that's where we are. We, where we are. And uh, so we have today uh, with... Uh, uh, predestination, and we have next week uh, we resurrection, and after that, uh, Burke uh, will take over and he will correct everything that I did wrong. <laughs> but uh, no, so let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer, and then we get into uh, our lesson. So, Lord God, we just want to thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, we want to thank you that you are God and you are in control. And Lord, I just pray that you will be. Um, honor and glorify, Lord, as we, uh, as we continue our study this morning, Lord. So may you be glorified above all, and may we be instructed from your word. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. First, let me tell you, studying this subject, I've been studying this subject uh, before it came to the time to teach this subject. <laughs> so I've been all over the place, I studied different ways, and then I tried to think, Okay, how do I put it together? Um, and it's a subject, predestination is a subject that when you first think about it, it seems, oh boy, right? Um, and then when you get into the scripture and you let the scripture speak, then it becomes a different issue from what we hear in the world, of, on some of the world of theology. And it is such a wonderful subject. It's such an encouraging thing that as I begin to study that, you know, I would say, this is excellent. Okay? It's not as complicated as people make it to be. It's not as ooh, sinister as sometimes we may think about. But in many cases, it's very clear. Okay? And so I'm going to present it to you this morning in the clearest way that I thought that I presented it. And I'll tell you why I do that, and we'll get into that in a minute. Okay, the reason is because the word predestination does appear in Scripture. So how do we study that? Well, first we're going to go where the word appears. That's the easy way to do, right? And we study what is this all about. Right? And then we're going to go to some terms that may imply that, but they are not exactly predestination. And then there are some other words that may have a, a, also a sense of predestination, but they are not stated in those terms. So that's why you see we're going to have three different categories as we go along. Okay. So first, let's start with this. 
These are the terms that we have covered, right? And all these terms, with the exception of the first one, the first one is about us, <laughs> right? How bad off we are. Even the best person in the world is better off, right? means that the future of this person is, just, is not any good. That person may be wealthy, healthy, wise, good-looking, all that kind of stuff, and yet he or she is better off. Nothing good awaits in the future of this person, okay? They depraved. That's all of us, right? And then the rest of the terms indicate God's grace, how God has intervened. It's all these other terms explain some aspect of God's saving work. And God's saving work for whom? For the number one people. <laughs> for the depraved. Right? So this is what God has done. Right? And so the term that we are going to look today, predestination, right? And then you have the definition of pre-appointed us. And we are going to see when, how, why, perhaps to what point, to what end. Okay? And so you're going to see that that's encouraging. But let me start first with this, uh, yeah, I like that title. The best is yet to be. Okay? Best is yet to be. Okay. I want you to read these verses here, and uh, they're only in the book of, uh, there's only one that I put there. But the book of Revelation says that a number of times. Can you see that okay? Who can read that? Who would like to read that? Mickey, who can talk. Okay, so what is, who is the anyone here? All the unbelievers, right? And it sounds that there is a sense of what? Of predestination here, correct? Have I say that right or wrong? Do you see that? All of those, and anyone who was not found written in the book of life, will be cast, was cast into the lake of fire, right? So if your book is not here, then you were destined to be cast into the lake of fire. So who's in the lake of fire? Well, we have Satan, the Antichrist, who else? The beast, yeah, who else? Death, the unbelievers, right? Those are all people that yeah, and the unbelievers, right? So we see that the unbelievers is going to be, there's going to be some people in the lake of fire. Okay? Now, this is an interesting verse right here. Who would like to read that? So now, in the verse above, it said that anyone not found written in the name of the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But what does this verse here tell us about the lake of fire? It's everlasting. It's everlasting but something else, that, that's what I'm more interested in, verse 41. It's prepared for the angels, for the devil. It's prepared for whom? The devil 
and his angels. How about people? No. No. God says it's prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, the unbeliever is going to end up there. But that's not a place that God prepared for people. Why not? Go ahead. Oh, you look at my notes? I didn't share that with you, right? right? God never intended or his intention was not for those who are creating his own image to be born in hell. Even when they sin, from before the foundation of the world, God's intention was to provide for them a plan of salvation. Right? Yeah. Look at Peter. And we find that in other places, right? But I just put First Timothy 2, 3, and 4. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but his long suffering toward us. Why? Not willing that any should perish. See, God's intention was not for men to go to hell. He did not create the lake of fire for men. Not wishing that any should perish, but what? But how many? See, God knew from the beginning of the world, right, even before that, that that would not be the case. In foreknowledge, he knew that. But that was not his intent. There is a difference. In knowing what's going to happen and determining that something will happen, right? So men, God knew that man was going to sin, and yet he did not prepare a place for destruction for men. What he prepared for men who knew he was going to sin was the plan of salvation. Now, when man rejects the plan of salvation, then he gets punished, right? Okay. Are we confused or any questions or comments here? Tom. Yeah, you know, the Satan and the angels, a provision was not made for them, for their repentance. Provision was not made for their salvation. That's why there is a lake of fire for them. But provision was made for men. And God had that in mind all along. Next, you had your hand up. Yes, the one on the bottom is a cross-reference. Okay, we don't need to read that. Okay, now... I got eight pages of notes. I never had eight pages of notes before, okay? So we are not going to cover that. <laughs> but I hope that we, to move along in such a manner that, that will give us an idea, right? Uh, 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 some clarity, perhaps. And I don't claim to have all the answers here. I'm going to give room for 
me being uh, fallible <laughs> and not grasping everything in the Word of God. But some things are going to be clear because they're going to be straight from the Word of God. In some, some areas we may have to say, well, you know, I got, I'm going to step back. I don't want to be, you know, to limit God. But there are some things that are going to be clear, okay? So let's move on. First, with terminology, okay? Prorizo is the word for uh, predestination that is found in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word predestination is not found. Some of the books that I read a little bit, they were used the word prophecy as a synonym for uh, predestination. And, you know, sometimes you read predestination or a prophecy and sound has the flavor of predestination, but other times it doesn't, right? Uh, in other words, that I thought that plays into that with that flavor is, is the word covenant. Sometimes the word predestination, and you will see, has the flavor of a covenant, an, an unconditional promise that God made. There are conditional covenants. There are conditional situations that we are going to see. But predestination, to preordain, to prepare beforehand, sometimes has a little flavor of prophecy, sometimes has a little flavor of a covenant. So keep that in mind. I had a difficult time kind of getting a a definition, but it's something that God has preordained, has prepared beforehand that will occur in the future for the benefit of the believer. And you will see that. The word appears six times in the New Testament. Only six times. Okay? We are going to look at every one of them. <laughs> so that's where we're going to start. Okay? And what I like to do, as I've done many times, is to put the verse up there and ask you to engage, to see what you read. And there are some passages that are going to be a little more challenging, particularly the second one. So, we're good for that. Yeah, so today we are going to look at the proriso. Then there's the, the word horizo, which is to, to mark, to appoint, and that's going to be used. So we are going to look at some of those examples there and see how those different flavors are. But we are mainly concerned with that one, and then some of the others have that flavor too. So keep that in mind. All right. Predestination is to appoint beforehand to a specific end, state, status, or Condition. That's the definition. All right. Let's look at the New Testament instances. Who would like to read that section of the passage? That's a long section, but... Amy?
I put all those sections, uh, the verses that I was looking at, you figured it out, right? Symbolism 7, right? The phrase that are uh, uh, ordained before all ages, that's that, that idea of preordination, that word that is used there. So here it tells us that God has preordained something, that God did preordain something, okay? So based on the context, right, what we read, what it is that God has preordained here? Well, I tell you, what he preordained is that salvation will be by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The gospel. Right? God had made it clear. God had already beforehand. Right? We say that, you know, he had, he had prepared the lake of fire for Satan and the angels. And had foreordained, pre-prepared a plan of salvation through grace alone. In Christ alone, for us, right? For people. What a great news. What an encouraging thing, right? So this is one of the instances that we see of the word predestination. God has preordained, pre-prepared the way of salvation. Before men even fell. Before Adam even partook of the forbidden fruit. God had already a plan to say Man, you're going to screw up, and I got the answer. And I'm not wishing that any should perish, but that all will come to respond to the gospel. Okay. Thoughts or questions? You don't get a lot of time. Next one. It's a little more challenging here. Okay? And I want you to pay attention to what is being said. Let's write that. Who would like to read that? Okay. Albert, read it. <laughs> the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, when the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Yeah. Your hand and your purpose predetermined, right? So God had predestined, predetermined certain things. Well, you know, and when you read this section, if you're familiar with the book of Psalms, you, immediately Psalm 2 comes to mind, right? When the kings of the earth come together to plan against the Son and against God and His anointed one, right? So that's what this reference. But listen to carefully. What's, got, what's going on here? Well, those kings of the earth are coming together. And they're coming together to do what? To do what? To do whatever your hand has prepared. The question is, what did God prepare? What did God preordain? The very, what, what would that be, Tom? Clarify that for me. Not only that, but what else? Yes. God preordained all the suffering that Christ will go through, right? To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. So, again, when Jesus died on the cross, it was not a Oh, I didn't see that coming for God. 
God had already prepared. That would be part of the plan of salvation. That the Lord Jesus Christ had to die on the cross. Question that is kind of tricky a little bit. What did God not preordain here? It was prophesied that it would be done this way. But there was something that, some, something that is not preordained here, but that is taking place. What is that? The individuals who are going to do that. In Psalm 2, it tells us who is going to do it. But God does not preordain down to the individual. Say so the kings of the earth are going to get together as a class, as a group. But that here doesn't put the honors on the individual. He puts the honors on the individual in the sense that they are responsible. So what I like about this verse is that it preserves both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Right? The sovereignty of God is preserved here to do whatever your hand has preordained. But man acted out of his own will. Now, my brain hurts too. (laughs) My brain hurts too. That God knew exactly what he wanted to do and who was going to do it. And yet he preordained the what, but he did not preordain the who, knowing who the who will be. So he preserves completely the human responsibility aspect of that. That's what the text is showing us. Okay, that's what the, the preordination is referring to here. Not to the kings, even though that was prophesied that they will do that in Psalm 2. So, interesting. You know, this is one of the things that you sit there and say, oh boy, you know. Yeah, okay, Lord, can you confuse me a little more? <laughs> okay. All right. Any thoughts or questions? Yes. Say that again. The who? Uh, where, where did I take the who? It says that, that you suggest that the what. Right, yeah, uh, and, and that's, that's what the text does, even in the Greek, right? There is no who there. It says that the who, it tells who the who is doing it. But the preordination refers to the what. Okay, the Greek text connects the preordination to the what. So God is saying, this, I'm preordaining this to happen to my son. Okay? Now, God knows who the who is, but those people are fully responsible for what they're doing. They are doing that out of their own will. God did not preordain them. God did not say, you and you and you are going to do this, even though they are doing exactly what God wants them to do. So, again, the text does not indicate that, that God says, you and you and you. So uh, it's prophesied that the kings of the earth will do that. And yet it preserves the human responsibility of that. Good question. But the who is not, the who is not preordained in the text. Good question. Okay. I know that this may cause some discussion. But I'm just showing you what the text says, right? All right, that's good. It's good to think about it. Okay, now we're going to see different aspects of preordination where it's very encouraging for us, okay? And the first place we're going to go is going to be to Romans 8, okay? Appears to twice there. In Romans 8 is what is called the golden chain. When you look at Romans 8, 28 through 30, the golden chain, we are not going to look at every aspect of the golden chain. That's a, okay, but uh, uh, there are things that are included 
And there are things that are not included in this chain. And you say, why is that, Lord? <laughs> okay. Man, I don't know. So, however, preordination is there. Predestination, preordination is there. So who would like to read those verses for us? Mickey? Okay, you know, you see some words that are in green and one in purple, but green, purple, and blue, right? That's what I call the three pros of Romans 8. <laughs> Those are three words that begin with the Greek pro, right? The first one is prothesis, okay? Pre-planned, that refers to the purpose, the pre-planned prothesis. Then we have uh, prohinosko, foreknowledge, to know in advance, okay? And then we have predestination is to preordain or to prepare in advance. So I call this the three pros of, uh, of Romans 8, right? Uh, so when you look here at predestination, first we find out, you know, that, and this is all about what God has done. When it comes to predestination to preordain, okay, and the, the part that, is in, that I'm going to focus on is because of the what, Look at this part when it says, he also did what? Predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he may be the firstborn of any brethren. Okay. What does that mean? Now? Yeah. Has that happened? Has that happened? Come on, you know the answer. No, I'm not. <laughs> right? Now, uh, when, when is that going to be fully realized? Let me get to my verses. Who said that? What, what was that? Glorification. Glorification. In 1 John, I think I might have it here. Wait. Yeah. Read to these two verses. Who would like to read these two verses? Donette. So the Lord preordained that those in Christ are going to be just like the Lord himself. And when is that going to happen? American says glorification, right? When is that going to happen? It tells us a little bit here. When? But we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him. This is exciting, right? God has something. God has preordained something for me that is really good. No longer I'm going to struggle with the flesh. Not only am I going to have a problem. Who will conform our lowly body 
that he may be conformed to his glorious body according to the work in which he is able to subdue all things to himself. For our searches is in him from which he also eagerly awaits for the sake of the Lord Jesus. It's going to involve a transformation of the body. We are going to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ. No more struggles. This is what God has preordained for those who are in Christ. This is exciting. It's keyed up. <laughs> Lord God, thank you. That's what he has preordained. That's already put in place. And you know what? I don't have an option in this. I don't say, well, Vince, you know, I'm going to ask you how much you want to be, become like Christ. No. <laughs> uh, Jim O'Sherry, who had a hand up? Okay, and? In 1 Corinthians 15, you know, we shall not all sleep, but we all will be changed in an instant, in a moment, right? In the blink of an eye, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what God has preordained for those who are in Christ. Yeah, yeah? my wife said, you're going to need two lessons. <laughs> I said, no, I'll get through. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, another instance. Okay, who would like to read that? Somebody, Jim. You know, the first part of verse 4 sometimes causes confusion to people because people read verse 4, something that does not say. It's a little word that means makes a whole world of difference, right? And that is just as he chose us in him. The word in there is the word en in Greek. It's not the word eyes, I-E-I-S. They have different meanings, okay? And here what it means in union in the in the sphere in, in with Christ. So God chose those who are in Christ. Okay. Then the question that we need to ask ourselves, and Ephesians answers that, is how it doesn't say that he chose us for Christ, but chose us in Christ. Completely different sense. And what I have seen in the past is that people start talking about this verse. They stop right there, and they never consider it in detail. That right there. Very, very deep discussion here. Very little discussion on the in. I'm not taking sides one way or another. I'm just explaining what the, what the words here says. Okay? So you discuss that somewhere else. <laughs> but anyways... But in the sense of predestination, those who are in Christ, right, have been predestined to what? To the adoptions as sons. To a full relationship with God. What that means? It means, uh, I wish I had all the time in the world. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were, um, let me turn here. 
let me turn my page that way I tell you correctly um, we were those people who were the according to Ephesians 2 we were the sons of disobedience we were children of wrath and we were without hope and without God in the world this is who we were but then in Christ he said you have been predetermined predestined to become a child of God. To be, full, to be brought into that relationship with God as his own, as his son. Right? Interesting, uh, in the Roman Empire, in the Roman times, you know, when you read about adoption, you don't see any adoption in the Old Testament. The idea of adoption was not in the Old Testament. Rome was not too fond of adoptions. You know what they did with unwanted children in Rome? They let him die of exposure. Okay. Adoption in, all, in Rome occurred for adults, and it was always for some kind of economic or political appointment. So it's always an adoption of adults. Right? And even in the book of Galatians, it talks about that, that the child, when he's young, right, the son when he's young, he's no different than the slave, waiting for the full adoption, waiting for the for the full entrance into the benefits of the Father, into the relationship with the Father, right? So here it says, hey, you know, we have been adopted, we are predestined to the adoption of Son, to come into that full relationship with God. Interesting, note, side note, when an adult person was adopted in Rome, one of the requirements of that adult person was that he break all relationship with his previous family. That's very interesting. Say, now you belong to me. The things of the past, you have nothing to do with. Okay? You are a new person. You have a new name. You are in a new family. You behave differently. Okay. Now, let's see the next couple of verses here. Okay. Romans 8. Now, who would like to read that? Has this happened? No. So there is something that we are looking forward to. When God says, okay, full adoption, the redemption of your body, same thing that we saw in earlier on, right? When will that happen? When we see him at the rapture time, when the Lord changes, right? So, this is encouraging. What God has already implanted for me, what God has preordained for me, and I can do nothing about, and it's all good. And it's all good. Preordained by God. Okay? Thoughts or question? I'm leaving a lot of stuff out, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no thoughts? We'll go to the next section. I should have. Let's do that. Ephesians 1. 
11 and 14. Who would like to read that? Somebody like a teacher in the back. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. This is wonderful, right? So what is God done now? Uh, there are three actions here that we see that God has done, right? Earlier we had the three pros. Now we have three actions. God has obtained an inheritance. It's a different word there for inheritance. He has predictions and he has uh, a purpose, has something that God has purpose, right? So anyways, so the point is, what has God preordained for believers according to this? That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. He has an inheritance, right? So I, I never known of inheritance to be something bad unless somebody leaves a debt for me. You're going to inherit my debt. <laughs> That's not what God has intended, right? God says, this, I got good things coming for you, right? I have an inheritance. I got prepared good things, whatever that all good things will encompass in God's grace, in God's glory. You're reaching for something. What do you want to say? Uh, I was just saying, you, know, you, you pointed out the end, you know, uh, just previously. It's all over. Uh, yeah, Ephesians 1 and 2 is all in him. You know, the things that a person has in him. That phrase is very common in Ephesians uh, 1 and 2. Yeah, in him you also trust it, right? Uh, it's comparing the, the, the Jews first and then the Gentiles, right? We have obtained. In him you too trusted the Gentiles, right? And because you trusted in the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, you also believe in what's here for the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. It was you, it was us, and now it's our inheritance. The Jews and the Greek have a common inheritance waiting for them, right? Until the redemption of the purchased possession us, right? To what purpose? To the praise of his glory. Yeah. God does all things to the praise of his glory. He has predestined us to the praise of his glory. To become like the Lord Jesus Christ. To be adopted as sons. To have an inheritance to the praise of his glory. And let me be redundant. But if you are in Christ... The best is yet to come. The best is yet to be. God has already preordained that. He has it in place. There is nothing that I can do about it. Okay. Let me run <laughs> quickly. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and fading, kept in heaven for you. He's waiting on us. He's protected in heaven, waiting on us. The best is yet to be. God has already preordained for those who 
are called. I love him, right? That are called according to his purpose. All right, uh, let me go quickly here. These are verses that the other word, uh, horizo, you know, we, we saw pro horizo to, to preordain. These are the things that are ordained. Who would like to read all of this so you get a flavor? Maybe I finish today. Somebody, please. Sherry. Thank you. What I was pointing out here, the, the word there is, is, is not pro horizo, it's just horizo, which means to determine, okay, uh, to plan. Um, and so I asked myself the question, what, what's the difference between one and the other? And the answer that I got is, I don't know. <laughs> there is maybe a sense of a force that is implied in, in the word pro that is done ahead of time. Maybe there is Maybe there's more like a, I don't know, I'm repeating myself, more of a force in there, right? Uh, but here we see the same idea, right? That God has determined certain things. Um, and, uh, and let me make a clarification that didn't make earlier that I should have. Uh, in Romans 8, he says, in whom he foreknew, he predestined. Okay? What I wanted to mention, because sometimes people get confused here too. Foreknowledge and predestination are not the same thing. Okay, Scripture makes that clear because it uses two different words in the same context. <laughs> foreknowledge means to know beforehand. And in the Scripture, foreknowledge is used both for God and man. Okay, Predetermination, predestination is always used for what God has done. Okay, But foreknowledge means to... To know beforehand, and it's just used both of men and God. Okay, so uh, sometimes people say, well, when it refers to God, for knowledge has more of a, a causative effect. That in his foreknowledge, God not only knows, but he causes to be. Hmm, not sure that we can understand that differently. You know, the people that read the, uh, the New Testament in Koine Greek, would they have understood the difference? I don't know. No. You know, they have the same word. So, Amy? Uh, this is just an observation. The ones you have on your slide here all refer to things that God determined regarding Christ. Some of the other ones were uh, determined the mystery of salvation, predetermined the way Christ would be crucified. I don't know if that's in here or not, but I'm just noticing that these are all things that Jesus declared about Christ. Yeah, these are examples. There may be other ones. There, there, there's only a limited number. There's probably about, how many have, about five there? There's probably about ten where that word is used. Yeah. 
Now, I want you now, again, I'm sorry about the time, but I call this conditional destination. Okay? Predestination means that God has determined something. Conditional means that there is a destination, and that destination you could say is preordained, but it's preordained based on a condition. Okay? So, and, I, and there's many verses that carry that idea. So, let's, let's point a few here. You can, these are just a few. Okay, who would like to read uh, one or two? Jim, no, you cannot see them too well. How about Duanette? <laughs> read a couple of them. First and second. Okay, you see, is there a condition there? And I said it as an if then, but hey, if you do this, then this will happen, correct? And then there is a, a destination based on the response to the condition, right? Don't eat. Don't eat, because if you do, this is going to happen. This is, the, this is the condition and this is the consequence, Right? These people here, God will send a strong delusion. This is what they're going to believe. Why are they going to believe that? Because they refuse to believe the truth. It doesn't say that they could not believe, but they refuse to believe. So it was an act of the will. Okay? Albert, would you read the next two? Okay, so here in First Corinthians one twenty one, what was the condition? Well, believe. Yeah, uh, God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So the condition is to believe or not believe. So what is the destination? What is the uh, save? If you believe, you are saved. What happens if you don't believe? You are not saved. So it has that sense of cause and effect, right? Of uh, condition and destination. You can say predestination within a condition. I don't know. <laughs> but the, word is, the Lord is not using the word predestination here. But what I'm using is so you can see the sense that there is a predestination in which God preordains certain things. And there are other times when we see that there is a condition that is attached to an outcome. And that's what we see here, Okay. The same here, and those whom he was first preached, 
did not enter. They did not enter God's rest. What was the condition to enter the rest? Obedience. Right? They did not obey. You're not going in. You obey, you're going in. So there is a destination that is predicated on a condition. And the last one, who would like to read the last one? For John 3.16. Everybody knows that. Okay, go ahead, Jody. The same thing, right? What is the condition? Believe. Right? If you believe, that's the outcome. If you don't believe, 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. <laughs> right? Do not have life. Right? So, what we have seen then, now let me summarize, and I'm going to summarize with uh, predestination because that was the, 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 the main idea. I use the other things just to give you a flavor of how these are stated. God preordained that those in Christ will be conformed to the image of Jesus, will be adopted as sons, will be received an inheritance, and will be to the praise of his glory. Six times the word predestined is used in scripture, four times applying particularly to the believer. Right? There are other things to consider, and we look at that. And probably there is more, and there are some more questions that can be raised. Good questions. <laughs> we start with predestination. We start with the scripture has to say in that context, right? And that's what we see just in the use of that word, okay? The best is yet to come. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Predestination is a great thing that God has done for those who are in Christ. The best is yet to be for those who are in Christ. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we can be encouraged. That even though as we see the world around us coming apart, uh, we see the concerns that are out there, Lord. We see the depravity that is so, <laughs> so out there, Lord. Yet for those who are in Christ, Lord, those who know you, those who love you, Lord God, you have good things ahead of us. Thank you, Lord, for preordaining those things. And thank you, Lord, that... You make it available to all those who want to be in Christ, all those who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.